about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. you say yes i do all right so i guess we're listening to the worst gig ever <laughs> podcast i am mike pace i'm jeff garlock you know this is the show where your favorite celebrities come to dish on their worst gigs ever nothing but a-list celebs talking about their worst gigs <laughs> and that's no offense to our fantastic guest that we have on the program today jonah bayer who you yes. may know as a writer and uh, one-time uh, music editor at uh, Alternative Press and yes. also member of numerous bands of the uh, punk-slash-hardcore persuasion. Got that right. And he shares some really great, terrible touring tales. We talk a lot about the Warp Tour that he not only covered but also participated in for many years. We talk about the dynamics behind that. It was a solid insight into a different a different kind of world that, you know, a different world than certainly where we came from. A world that oddly both of us are also interested it's in. It's also How the uh, hell does this Warp Tour world work? It's a world that apparently Lake Bell just made a movie out of called yes, In a World. In a World. About, this, uh, about and the story by the way, the, this is sponsored by In a World. In a World dot 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 the story of the Warp Tour. <laughs> yeah. Full discretion as we say yep. here and we also say in the episode. There's a lot of talk about bands in this one and it's amazing if you love that kind of stuff. Yeah. But there are a lot of references Just to be bands. be forewarned. There might be talk, and most of it's towards the end, but there might be a lot of talk about bands that no one should know about. But Or or should you say bands that you should immediately Google or look up their clips on YouTube because there's fascinating stuff. We talk Especially about, One Life Crew. Uh, one Life Crew, a lot of Cleveland bands, Ascension, Integrity, Lifetime comes up. Uh, this one's for the hardcore. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that kind of shiz. But we also have some great regular stories too we have some great stories that i think we all can relate jonah's to, a regular right? guy he's a regular guy a regular dude with some regular and, stories and definitely a, a kindred spirit uh, yes a, a very, <laughs> very it <laughs> sounded like your microphone made some kind of flatulent noise right there oh i farted I, okay good just wanted to clear that up yeah speaking of which you want to smell the sweet sound of success Check out some of our back episodes, worstgigeverpodcast.tumblr.com. Look us up on iTunes. We're on Stitcher Radio. Find us on Facebook. Tweet us at worstgigever, at Mike E. Pace, at G. Garlock. E- e- email us, worstgigever at gmail.com. We're there for you, baby. We, we got so many options, baby. By you the way, not talk your, to us. yours was a better... I, that was the worst Jimmy Durante <laughs> imitation of all time. I didn't even put the inflection into it. I don't know what else to say other than... Here is the man of the hour, Jonah Bauer. Bauer. What's his last name? Bayer. Bayer. Why'd you pronounce it weird? I thought I was going to be able to get a... <laughs> well, it worked out well. Yeah. All right. Jonah Bayer. Peace. Well, I've been thinking about this a lot, and... I feel like this is sort of a gig story, but it's more of like a leading up to the gig story. Uh-huh. Um, and it involves two band members getting in a fight and the cops being called by one of them. So is that a... Is that Provocative. A, it's, I'm, 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 sounds, I want to hear more. Yeah. This, <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> this was my old band, uh, The Love Kill. Mm-hmm. We were... Uh, Jeff from Thursday, who was also on the podcast. Yes. Uh, friend of the show. Friend, friend of, of the, the show, show. Jeff. Uh, who I play in a band with now, uh, we, he signed us to Eyeball Astromagnetics and we were touring. We were on the West Coast and we were staying with this guy, David, who was in this band, American Eyes. If you guys remember them, they were like this pop, I met them in like Taste of Cat. They were like this pop punk band like 10 years ago or something, okay. whatever. So somehow this guy was like, you can stay with us. And we were like, okay. And we had shot like, this weird video all day and like everyone was in like a really bad mood because like we've been in this warehouse all day and uh-huh. it, it was really hot and so everyone's like irritable we couldn't find the place we're driving through the rain and we get there and it's like this condo complex that i guess like his parents owned or something so it's like this really nice condo and we got in there <laughs> and there had been a lot of tension between two of the band members mm-hmm. uh 
the interesting part is that one of them I haven't talked to like really since his tour <laughs> and none of the other people in the band as far as I know have either. So really? it's like this was like this is like some pretty intense outcast. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, is it do, is it all kind of coming out of this story that you will tell sort of, in a lot of ways? A lot of it. I yeah. mean, this was sort of like the culmination. Right. And the straw that broke the camel's back. Nah, that's not what I was going to say. Go on. <laughs> the straw that broke camel's back. Yes, camel, the bad. <laughs> yeah. <Go on. laughs> I, um, yeah. I also think it's important to add is not too many many uh what's the word I'm looking for? Uh when you What's that? People? Yes. No, not people. Uh, disclaimers. Yes. Too many disclaimers, but like, this was like not, I, I, I was not like perfect in this situation either. Like, I wasn't good at dealing with hey, conflict. You're a human being. Yeah. Being in a band is hard when you're in your early 20s. what we call full discretion. Full uh, discretion. Full discretion. Full Thank discretion. you. <laughs> um, so, anyways, we're at this house and we're hanging out and it's really late and two of the guys start arguing and, uh, I can say our drummer and singer. They're, those are the only other two guys in the mm-hmm. band. The bass player is a girl. So they're arguing, and uh, I'm sort of like trying to like talk louder to my friend. I'm like, oh, this is so embarrassing. Like, <laughs> pretend this isn't happening. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, our singer is just like hitting him, and we're just like, uh, like I like could it happened like so fast, and right. then our drummer has just like blood like gushing out of his ear, and he's like, we're calling the cops. I'm, I'm, call, I'm calling the cops and everyone's like dude like maybe we shouldn't call the cops and it's sort of like one of those vibes where like i was like these are my friends are letting us stay here like i don't know like what they have in their apartment like uh-huh. i don't really think it's not really cool mm-hmm. as guests to like but this he was really adamant about it and no one would tell him the address of where we were <laughs> he kept asking he's like what's the address and the dude was saying i was like don't say anything and he's like i don't know so he finds a piece of mail with the address on it. <laughs> Regular Columbo, over right? There. <laughs> no, it just just uh, backstory. Is this this is before the show? So basically, we shot a video this day, and we had a show in L.A. at Cinespace that was set up right. by Steve Aoki back when he was like Dimak. We were okay. just talking about him. Really? Uh, was he being fed grapes by half naked girls surrounding him? That's him sp- I, he came up because he was all of a sudden. My wife was like, "Oh, aren't you?" Like, friends with Steve Aoki? I was like, yeah, you know, he put out my band's record back in the day. It's like, oh, he's on the t- list of top-earning DJs. For uh, for the listener, uh, Steve Aoki, actually, speaking of Scion, uh-huh. uh, the Scion of the Benihana. Yeah, the Shane. son of Benihana uh, <laughs> used to run Dim Mo- or runs Dim Mock Records, put out the Panthers EP, and made $14 million DJing last year. This episode going out to Steve Iope. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> I love you, buddy. <laughs> okay, so you, this is you, this is before so, the show. But so this isn't a tour, day. though, too, this right? Is this is one show. Oh, you're on, we're on tour. Yeah. What, how, how far into tour? Well, we were, we were based from Cleveland, and we're in L.A., so right. I don't know exactly, but at least like a week or two. Yeah. And how many do you have more to go? Yes, but not, <laughs> but not that much more. Right. Like I think just like touring on the way back, maybe like five shows, just enough to make it awkward. Yep, curl. And I'll say this: like already, like pretty tense before this happened. Uh-huh. So like this is like I think was just just people just going past their limits. Mm-hmm. So the cops come, and we're waiting for the cops, and our singer is like, and <laughs> I mean, like. Our, our, it was like some of the stuff that was said was really bad. Like, you know, like you're going to go to prison, like, <laughs> like, and imagine like the worst case scenario of prison, like that type of stuff. Right. Uh-huh. right. Um, so you're going to white collar uh, summer camp. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. That's tough stuff, yeah. man. Now, this is, this is the accusation that the drummer is making towards the scene. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's like, the cops, are, the cops are on their way, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so our singer's like, dude, what do I do? <laughs> like, should I go run? Should I go in the van? Yeah, yeah. Should I go on the layout? Should I stay like, here? Go in the van because they will never. <laughs> yeah, why not? Try that out. Hide in the van, sulk in the van, which is a uh, That's something a classic. I think we're all familiar yep, with. Classic tour move. <laughs> so I'm sort of in like a weird position because I'm like, I don't like. I want to finish this tour mainly, and also like these guys <laughs> sure. are both my friends, right. and like, 
Uh, like before this, did you ever think that it would get to the point of cops? I mean, like, did you? In the, I mean, there's always tensions in a band, and every once in a while, there's a there's a fight, or you know, and yeah, scrap, there's always a, a fight. There's stuff close to fist fights, or maybe, but like it, whether it's, you know, drunk or not. But I'm not sure. For me, I've ever been a point where I've been like, hmm, I got a feeling that two five guys might end up in the in jail later. Yeah. With each other. Did it ever, did you ever think in your heart of hearts, yeah, we might get here? No. Okay. Also, because it's so adverse to the way I would act. Sure. Like, some, I would feel like for, to provoke me to hit someone. You're like, a very nice man. <laughs> not even that. Like, I'm just not good at it either. Right. Sure. You know? So have you ever like, been in a fight? I don't, I was thinking about this. I don't think I have ever been in a fight. I've been yeah. at one fight when I was in grade school with my friend Kurt over a chess piece. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which, That's how you know, nerdy that fight is. That was uh, end game. So Indoor recess went to the principal. The punishment, yeah. you have to set up a chess tournament for your entire That's... school. Uh, never did it. He never said anything. I learned like... to not believe authority ever again, and that authority was bullshit after that. And he became a punk rocker. And then that... punk came, and thank you, chess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw enough One Life Crew shows growing up to see <laughs> To see a, I did a want lot to ask of fights. Oh man! Please, we'll, we'll get into the we'll life crew. Exactly. So, so what? So oh, what's Clevo. the outcome of this? Uh, so basically, the outcome. So the cops come. He's he's apologizing to the guy hit, and uh, the cops come and they basically we explain the situation. And their singers like, listen, we're in a band together. We had an argument. Like I lost my temper, and basically the cops were like. You can press charges or whatever, but you have to be in court in like a week or something or three days. There was some period of time where we would already have been gone. Right. So basically that was not an option. So we finished the tour. Like we played that show in LA. No one watched us. Everyone watched Steve DJ. <laughs> and uh, our drummer wore this sweatshirt, this gray sweatshirt hoodie that had dried blood on it the entire rest of the tour and wow. didn't wash it didn't take it off as like this kind of like badge right. and uh then we got home and i think we did like one more tour and then we broke up yeah but still got a tour in but still yeah we went to i think we went down to gainesville fest one last time right and but it was a- after that happened honestly that was sort of like what were those subsequent drives like in the days following the fight, I would say like a lot of people listening to headphones, <laughs> right? And not communicating yeah. and just, but it was like pre-cell phone, so it's yeah. not like. What year are we talking here? I would say this was like, I like, I want to say like oh four, oh five, okay, right? So it's still, guys in their early to mid twenties, yeah. like yeah, you know. Ball of energy, uh, ball of careening hormones. down the, yeah. <laughs> um, just going yeah, through puberty, and they're. <laughs> I, I I have to say it's. I mean, I hear a story like that, which which is kind of a horror story. To, yeah, you know, to, like for that kind of violence to be happening among the band, and feel thankful that in my case it was only the three of us in a minivan, kind of like all listening to you know whatever on you know Sam Cook or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so that, but that strikes me as like a horrifying, right? And then just to deal with the aftermath, and not to say that the guys in Oxford Collapse never really got like in each other's faces, but it was any any like minimal kind of argument would be immediately awkward, and then we'd have to make up immediately afterwards, right? Right. So they'd be carrying the residual. Yeah, I think most of is, Panthers and and Orchid was just based on like sarcasm. Like, and, you know, being, like, jerks to each other, like, all the passive time. Passive-aggressive. Yeah, passive-aggressive yeah. sarcasm that never, you know, that culminated yeah. in only a handful of times in screaming matches. But other than that, well, no actual. the screamo. And that's yeah, where we got the name. Uh, and that's the history but, of punk for you. <laughs> but, Jonah, to add insult to injury, the show itself. The show is bad. And then I remember a show in Vegas a couple days later where our singer just wouldn't get out of the van. Jesus Christ. And I had already, like, been in the venue and, like, they'd given us dinner and I'd, like, eaten all this food. And I was right. like, I think we have to play. Right. Like, I can't buy this. So we ended up playing without him. Like, really? Instrumentally, yeah. How'd that work out? It was okay. I Jay mean, Tree signed you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that was my big break, actually. <laughs> but uh, speaking of sulking in the van, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's a real prima donna move to like not. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, but like at the same time, like I felt like I, I, not to those extremes, but I felt like I also didn't know how to deal with conflict and stuff. So it's like if someone did something to me, I just like would stop talking to them for like three days. Sure, it's just right. like not how you should deal yeah. with stuff. You know what I mean? 
But yeah, that was it. And then we actually did a reunion tour when I first moved to Brooklyn with Nakatomi Plaza. Mm-hmm. We played in Cleveland and Aaron from De La Hoya, mm-hmm. if you know that dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I went to college with him. Really? Did you go to Cornell? I, no, I went to NYU. Okay. Asian guy, guitar player. Oscar. Went to college with him, have never spoken to him. <laughs> Lives like down the street from me. I see him all I the time. I keep it quiet. I don't brother. know him from anything, but this episode's going out to Oscar. Oscar, we love you. Yeah. Did you know the other guy in his band, Joel? He also went to NYU? Maybe if I saw him. Yeah. I would because we we lived in the same dorm freshman year. Like, right. I'd see this guy around. I think I saw him at shows, like, but we just never. Uh, it's all his fault. Yeah, probably. But anyway, so yeah, <laughs> uh, certainly uh, not you. So you did those reunion. Tour. So we did these reunion shows and just didn't tell our singer about it and just played them without him. Our bass player Carla sang, and they were okay. I mean, it was fun. Right. It was fun to play with those guys again. Yeah. Her, but uh, yeah, I don't know what he's up to. Wish him the best, but that was a horrible experience. Understandably, <laughs> I. I think, yeah, it's, you know, like I said, cops have never been a part of it, except for when your stuff gets and, Oh, also, but, this is like a crazy side note to this uh-huh. story that is unbelievable. So I had a, a really good friend out there, and I was talking to her the next morning on online, and I was like, you won't believe what happened last night. Like, two of the guys in my band got a fight. They called the cops, and she was like, she was like, are you messing with me right now? I was like, no. And she, her friend Amanda lived in this apartment. <laughs> and she sent me these messages that her friend was sending her like one of david's idiot band friends is staying over <laughs> one guy hit another guy the guy, she never came out of her room and i knew this girl and i didn't realize that she was his roommate so she heard the whole thing happen wow. and then like i talked to her like a little while later i was like that was my band she was like are you <laughs> serious yeah and I, I, or I think we came back the next day and she was like watching tv i was like hey oh wow we're staying with you again yeah. <laughs> Um, but at least in, in in my case, the sulking in the van usually happened after the show. Yes, that was which is when it should happen. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. I'll say to I feel like it's like a separate shittiness of it, but that you touched upon is the fact that you know it was an LA show, right? Right. So in your mind, you're like, oh, it's one of the good shows of mm, tour, right? Uh, but you said that there wasn't really anyone. No, no one really watched. Uh, it was weird. The venue part was big, right? But not many people and then the dj area was crowded but i left the show at right after we played and ended up going to fergie's birthday party and i got this <laughs> with like the guys from valiant thor and all these vulcan people because right. i guess fergie's sister worked there and i got this gift bag of like chanel all this really fancy perfume and shampoo and stuff and i used it for birthday and holiday presents for my mom and sister for like the next five years just to clarify i want to make sure this is furry from the black eyed peas yes. not like the princess furry <laughs> from <laughs> it was a joint birthday, birthday okay. party for both of them <laughs> for the only two women named furry. uh and how was fergie nice i person? didn't i didn't even know who she was at this point <laughs> right see here but i was really impressed that shannon elizabeth was there oh and this was like american pie yeah. oh like super yeah. yeah shannon elizabeth yeah. that's a that's a that's a good arrow shannon yeah <laughs> that I don't know. Only arrow. Yeah. yeah. What happened to her? She's um. She's out and about. Next week, actually. Yeah. Well, she's <laughs> we'll telling all of her ask, worst we'll gig ever. Her, uh, what she's been. But to speak about the L.A. thing, it, I think it totally depended on where you played. Us being a a band from Brooklyn, for the right. most part, L.A. shows were pretty good. But I remember having an awful show at the Smell. Right. Oh, and no yes. offense to the Smell, but it was awful. Right. And it was, no. And that room is deceptively large. Right. And we were getting uh, uh, nobody there. And then I, I remember I broke a string, which was right. always like a bad. And then kept getting shocked by the microphone. It was just really depressing. I think that's the thing. It's like, yeah, that, I mean, I think all of our bands were on the level that we've talked about before. And you can speak to of just like it, it was always a gamble. Like it was always and you could never count on anything. Because, exactly. again, it's like even though like L.A., you're like these, you know, it's like if I have to make a list of five places in America where the shows are going to be good, it's going to be L.A. is one of them. New York's one Chicago, of them. Like, you know, San Chicago, San Francisco. But L.A. sometimes yeah. is a gamble. It's like sometimes you play the Echo and Beck decides that he wants to play as well, uh, which happened that one time. Uh, and then we got paid a lot of money because he didn't want to get paid. And we went, all right, that worked out. There were people here to watch us. Yeah. And then we played like the next time at the Echo on our glory tour. That Steve, Ado- Steve Aoki DJ'd, no one at the show. He DJ'd. I remember he DJ'd, kept bumping the table because he was so drunk. Played Hey Ya, which is how long ago it was, twice in a row. 
and didn't realize he had played it twice in a row. I would think that you guys, though, with like the Dimmock Association, would automatically kind of have people come in L.A. No, you would think. Right. But I think, you know, that's a good also sign of, I think we think a lot of things about bands, <laughs> and a lot of those things are wrong. Well, no, it was just like a gamble. Like, and like, it's, it depended. Like, it would be like, you know, I think also Panthers had a thing of like, it was like at a certain point, especially like we either played places that like weren't punk enough for the punks and then or sometimes play it was too punk for like the rock kids, whatever. Right. We play. We have that kind of in between. Uh, it was always a gamble. Well, <laughs> speaking of that, I wanted to ask you because you guys were much more involved with kind of like the warp tour scene and, and th- this band performed at the warp tour. Yeah, it was. Well, it was sort of weird because I, so I was working at Alternative Press mm-hmm. the whole time I was in this band until we qu- I quit c- to go to Europe for like mm-hmm. five weeks with this band and then we broke up. But so I was working on the Warp Tour for AP in right. the summers. Like I would set up, the, I would ride on a bus with a bunch of other sponsors. I'd set up this booth. We did the programs and then I'd have like bands come in and sign the programs, whatever. Um, so yeah, eventually I managed to get us on the tour. But I remember the first year we did it like. I was on a bus, and everyone else in the band was doing it in a van. Uh huh. So like, we would play for not many people on like the Kevin Says stage or whatever, and then they would be like, "All right, well, the next show's like seven hours away." I'd be like, "Cool, I'm gonna go to this barbecue, get drunk, right. and then pass out on this bus. See you in the next city." <laughs> right. So that was like a well, little. But bit. maybe you can speak to move. the idea of like, I guess in our case there was a crapshoot of like, are people gonna be at the show? Mm-hmm. But then. And having only gone to the second Warp Tour featuring uh, Fishbone at Action Park, no longer there. I only went to the first and one. Actually, I believe it was uh, Blink-182, or it might have even been... Was, was that the was one Rocket from the Crypt Rocket from the Crypt play? I was at that. Uh, face-to-Face. Face-to-Face. Uh, uh, well, the thing, I remember the first Warp Tour. You might be... The first one was Quicksand. L7? Sublime. L7, Sublime. Tilt. Uh, tilt, no use for a name. Orange nine millimeter, yeah. uh, and Civ played, and, and Rocket from the Crypt in Cleveland. Integrity played. That's incredible. Oh, it's I, true. Yeah, I would have. That sounds amazing. But at least <laughs> that the, first the one... Warp Tour was a really good show because yeah. that was the only time I saw Quicksand. Uh, Orange Night at the time was into. I remember liking Noise Friend and Civ. I still ha- I was wearing a Grill Biscuit shirt. Mm-hmm. They played Hold Your Ground, and I moshed real hard. But the shirt got like someone grabbed the collar and just yanked it, and it's like. A weird hardcore V-neck shirt, like yeah. just because it goes like all the way down to my belly button. But at the time, the one on Long Island happened in the parking lot of Nassau Coliseum, and I remember that summer. I was it was what ninety four maybe or ninety yeah ninety. I think it was 94. 95, so I had gone on vacation with my family and couldn't. All my friends went to it. Right, couldn't go. But then the next year, it was right. in New Jersey, and it was at the water park. So it was like it was actually pretty amazing. But anyway, but I think Warped Tour morphed into something. Much different yeah. than those, yeah, those first ones. But t- maybe speak to the idea of like, you would think if you're on this tour, like, well, there are going to be people here. But it sounds like, depending on what stage you are, so what, how does that well, affect your I mindset? Think, like, how does that work? I think that they've actually kind of pared it down a little bit because I felt like it started small. And then at one point, there was like so many stages when I was working out where it's like, you can't, you're hearing like two bands at once. Like, I remember watching that. Didn't Fuse have like a Warp Tour show or something? Warped, they, warped, one of the Warped bands, Roadies, not that one, the one before. And they fought. And they it was used like, to do like Warped Wednesday. That's how I met Steven and started working okay. with him. But yeah, there, I just remember there was a band on like the barbecue. So essentially, that band got on the Warp Tour because they were the ones who had to yeah. throw the barbecue. Every year, there's a barbecue band who, yeah, basically agree ahead of time that they'll do this barbecue, which, which is, is like kind of a pay to play sort of thing. Sort of, yeah. I mean, I don't think they pay for the barbecue because it's like... Oh, that's good. Because they have to go to the grocery... That was the part I actually thought about. I was no, like, you have to, as the band, you have I to I think it's just like you get a better slot and like everyone like... It's just like a way to like ingratiate yourself. With right, you. But right. it's a lot of work. I mean, yeah. like they had to, had to go buy all this stuff every day. It's, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think so. They pared it down, but at this point, there were so many stages, or like twelve stages, or something, where it's like most people are watching the main stages, right? And those are all bands you've heard of. So, like, I don't know. It is really hard to sort of. It's not as glamorous as you think it is, and you're like loading stuff across like eight parking lots. You can't park anywhere near where you're at. So, I think it's good if it's it's good on your way up, and then like really depressing on your way down, and like we didn't. (laughs) 
we were always not even yeah. we were always on the bottom but that's anyways. how they could get away with having literally a hundred bands playing because you had what percentage of it were like local bands per I think show in versus every, touring band in every city there were like there was like usually like a local stage or something our, our other problem admittedly was like especially back then like you had to do that thing where you're like walking around the disc and be like hey dude you like under oath like check out my band like and i just right. we were so bad at that yeah like there's another band on our label i can't i can't remember if it was a valley arena someone and they were so good at it. and they're like we sold like 50 cds a day how many you sell and i'm like two and they're like well you've just been sitting here i'm like yeah i don't know like, right well, i could never pull i'm not a, i'm not a telemarketer no. well that's okay and this and this is something that that you can probably talk about. I mean, I look at that whole um, genre of of stuff that came out, that came up with, that bands would be associated with AP, um, as almost being like this mirror image in a lot of ways, or corollary would be like the glam, or the hair metal scene of like the mid to late 80s in LA, mm-hmm. where there was that pay-to-play aspect, and yeah. there was this aspect of promotion being such a huge part of it. Um, except, you know, the music was slightly different and, 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 and you could trace a through line to right. punk rock, as it were. I mean, is that, I get, I mean, is, is there any kind of like validity to that? We're, we're like, people come on this tour and like, it's all about the promo and it's all about all of these things that seem kind of antithetical to, you know, the, the spirit of DIY or. Yeah. I mean, I would say that like, it was extremely clicky. And I would say like, especially with like the older bands, like I felt like No Effects, Bad Religion, those guys had their own like area. Right. That like you did not. You weren't right. like, hey, what's up, guys? Right. Um, and, uh, so I would say like there was that sort of an aspect. Um, I don't know. It was really weird. It was a weird time, and it was weird. To, a- AP at that point too was like, you know, it it went through this really big new metal stage mm-hmm. before I started working. It was like the covers were like Limp Bizkit, Creed, like all those bands right. around the cover. And then I started working there in '02, and it was kind of like Cold Chamber one month. Then we did Dashboard Confessional, right? And it sort of then it morphed into that. And then I was there like for that whole kind of pop punk explosion which uh, is which is also strange because i remember getting ap like you know in like 1994 or something it's dinosaur jr totally it was kind of mm-hmm. like it was indie rock and right. uh, you know whatever your definition of alternative in, in quotes would be so what was the i mean i guess though in retrospect it's also dinosaur jr who were on a major Indie sure rock. it was like it, it was still was just like 120 minutes of the magazine know, there wasn't yeah. a cover story it wasn't a z hazel it was or not a, it was not or, right not right a, right even are still on a major label but i'm i'm curious so you have like the new metal phase and then you go into kind of the 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 glossy pop punk thing is that is it what are the the editors thinking in terms of like well we're gonna sell magazines if we kind of this this genre is kind of exploding right now so we're gonna kind of focus on that I think so. I mean, I think that that new metal just had like kind of a slow, slow death. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember this, but it was like new metal was not cool. And then it was still every band for like three more years. Yeah. yeah. Like I was like, so then I felt like everyone was so excited. For me, it was like a band like Good Charlotte, or New Found Glory or Thursday or Taking Max Under My Chemical Romance was like, that was more in line with what I right. was into. So it was cool for me. And those bands... Yeah, those bands were really popular. Yeah. And they were sort of, I think it was, a lot of it was a reaction to like Cold Chamber and all these bands that were so like unrelatable, I guess. Right. Yeah. So, but it's weird now because I don't really know a lot of the ma- bands in the magazine now. And it's, when I listen to it, a lot of those bands, it sounds like putting together a bunch of different parts from different genres mm-hmm. into one song. And I don't, that's something that I just don't see the through line. Whereas like, even if I don't lo- like, even if whatever Fallout Boy aren't my favorite band, right? Like I can see the through line, and right. like I can mm-hmm. understand it, and like I like parts of it. And the drummer's still playing with her. The Mosh Yes. So. Yeah. 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 And but yeah, the, no, I mean, because there are even like yeah, like there's a, there's a it, it's it's I'm sure you've seen like as you know writing about it and being involved of like yeah, it's now it's gone so far where it's like you can there's not yeah there's no through line at all there's no connection to that original starting point. Like I can't even see where it came. Like I can, right. like the starting point is the the copy of a copy 
of a copy. So they've started. Well, with it would the, be the, the idea that bands t- bands right now are referencing bands from like 2008, right, as being like their you know, right. But I influences. guess what I wonder about is like, is that just generational because we're older? Like, did other people feel that way about like Lifetime or whatever? Right. When we, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's just a I natural know. thing because it's yeah, because you don't want to. It is hard. Like it's hard to. We think, I don't you think don't I, want to fall into the old man thing. You don't want to fall yeah. into the one. The there's no good music anymore. Uh, I don't get these kids. But we all do. Yeah, it's hard to get. Like it. Some I'll hear like in the metal world, like bands like I wrestled a bear once, yes. and I'm just like, what is this garbage? I don't get it at all. Like this whole fucking funny metal thing. I'm just like, get the fuck out of my face. But with it's it. almost like it's your turn to do that. I know. That's to the raise same. your fist to the sky and. Be but like, at the same time, I do like it's like yeah, it is weeding through. Like, is it is it legitimately how it is, or has it always been that well, way? Well, no, it's funny because you know when I was in high school, loving Fat Record stuff and mm-hmm. Victory stuff, and you know, whatever you know, um, and then getting into college and going through like in right around the time of like the you know. Late 90s, the worst time in mainstream, you know, music history. Right. Turning my back to all that stuff and going through my pretentious thrill jockey, like, right, right. difficult music <laughs> listening phase. So then when bands like Good Charlotte and that stuff comes around, I'm like, you know, hey, vitriol spewing right. knee-jerk reaction. Right. Because it seems like it's the phoniest. Because at that, by that point, the whole major label, ar- you know, argument was over. Right. Um, nobody cared what Steve Albini had to say by that point. Right. Um, and his so, argument was always confusing. It didn't really make <laughs> yeah. sense anyway. And so, but, and the idea that, well, for me, it was like, you know, yeah, even, you know, strung out may have been like a really glossy metal sounding band, but they, but they were, were still, they were like still cool <laughs> and they like got it. Right. And right. like they would never, you know, um, be so brazen in terms of their like that's commercial what it, part aspect. of it is is putting the weight and that's one of my issues putting the weight on that did the band get it like mm-hmm. and like because i'm also realized as i get up like no one like i don't know like to put people's feet to the coals is that the phrase yes mm-hmm. uh, like i can't even do that with like a lot of my friends like where i want to be like oh but you should all know every single band that <laughs> led up to this band and like you know if you don't know yeah. one eyed god prophecy <laughs> this band that put out 500 <laughs> record like copies of right. one record right which is great it's just a fan <laughs> one of my favorite records of all time but like no one should know this stuff. Well, what's also funny is listening back to how terrible. Like when I like I try to like I'll be like uh, I'll listen to this chokehold record or whatever. Right. Like I'll listen the to clap. Prison of Hope or something. And I'm like the recording's horrible. Insane. Everything's out of tune. Uh, to be fair, but the though, interesting p- even even when I heard chokehold when I was 16, <laughs> I knew it was horrible. Yeah, I did but, see. I but loved they, it. Yeah, but, because they the embr- rest- I'll say though with chokehold, this conversation to alienate all of our listeners, <laughs> yeah. but they embraced it at the time even. Which I even even then I was like, oh, you're being lazy about. It. But they're like, yeah, we don't care about good recordings. <laughs> we like, don't care about having every song on one track on right, the CD, which is the worst <laughs> idea. But oddly, I still know every single word to content also, with dying. Like yeah. I could go through and the samples. I can remember still, that Twisted Sister cover they yeah, did. That was that, on the second. Was it, that was the one that started out with that like dun 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 dun. Yeah, I, I only had like the more than ever the Bloodlink one, but then the second one was a little more produced, and actually, where each each song was its own track. Yeah, and I think it was kind of like not as interested, but sort of tried to force myself to like right. like the Twisted Sister. But I think going back to your example of Lifetime, Lifetime might be um, an exception in that I don't think I've ever met anyone like punk rock fan or not who doesn't like Lifetime. Yeah, not count, not discounting. You don't like Lifetime. Me. <laughs> We've, this has come up before. At least I, I uh, never liked them, and I still don't. Really? I, not any era of them. I don't know. I get why people like them, oh, but I was never into them. I think those records still hold up. Drove me nuts. His voice. Uh, not the first couple. Not, yeah, the not first the couple are a little stuff. rough. But yeah, I mean, I would say Jersey's Best Dancers and Hello Bastards. So. Even that 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 record that came out like five years ago yeah, the, was yeah. really good. Yeah, it had some good it songs on it. My back, but you yeah, know. but you see the through line. Yes. <laughs> Without a doubt, but it's, it's a it's, first seven. It's, it's you know, also it's not not only generational, but it's also like uh, um, the kind of thing where that's when that stuff was happening. Those guys were old enough to have you know started getting into music in like the early to mid eighties. Look, so I certainly wish still... we had played those reunion shows with them like we we're supposed to. But we <laughs> Me fucked too. Up that. But it's like, and then remember, like saves the day. Everyone was like, "This is just a lifetime ripoff band." Yeah, like I mean, that first record when Cancel It Down came was out. insanely. Like I've never 
maybe to this day heard a record that I was like, this is really like you just took the exact yeah. thing. But as someone but I, was, to them. I was at the first Saves of the Day show, which was right. at the tune-in. No, the Melody Bar. It was the last, last Lifetime show. I have show. it on VHS. <laughs> was it with Endeavor? I believe Endeavor and Bane. Crazier than a shithouse rat. I, but Never it was, was so, so that It was so uh, crowded and that, you know, you couldn't see the band. That, right. Got the Saves the Day demo cassette. Ooh. I think I still have it, actually. And then I listened. I Someone sent it to me recently, and it's, I mean, the recording is atrocious. <laughs> right. But they put out that first record on Equal Vision containing, like, an egregious spelling error on the back. Like, oh, really? some word that was, like, clearly. Like, I have they, that somewhere. That's funny. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, yeah, it was something like that. It was, it was just like, ooh, spells God, da, come on. And it was Rick to Life who, was, who uh, proofed it. I think Steve from Equal Vision was not doing his job at the time. <laughs> that is so funny. A reference for no one. Uh, yes. My old band, uh, the singer for the Love Kills, other band, he was in a band, and uh, they opened for Saves the Day on that first on the Cancel It On tour, mm-hmm. and thought it would be funny to do a Lifetime cover and dedicate it to them. <laughs> did not go over as well as uh, <laughs> did not go over well. So you look over and Chris is just like sitting there with like his oh. head down, and it was like the first song on uh, Jersey's Best Dancers, that yeah. and it was. It sounded okay, but it was one of those things where you're like, that would be a funny thing to do. We shouldn't really do it. There was, whatever. There was, you know what? I wasn't there. That guy should get over it. So, you know, they were 16 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. We all, who, yes. why should we be? You know, well, the, I, not only that, I remember um, talking to when we had Tyler from Midtown on the show, friend, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. And the first time that I had met him was after the they had done the Road Rules uh, or that MTV Road Rules real world challenge right. theme song yep and they got you know they were flown to jamaica and they're playing on the beach and i told him and not really having known his band from anything but just from love that song and i was like man that's i, I love it. and and he, and he got all really oh it sucks it was our first and at the time he was just it was their cherry pie it, but yeah but the fact the fact was and i, I might have even said to him this like dude they flew you to jamaica to do this like right you're in your band full time. Like, this is what you do when you're like 22 years old. Like, no right to complain about anything. <laughs> right. This episode's up. going out to Tyler. <laughs> Tyler's a great dude. He, he's a, he's a, he's a, yeah, he's you know a, he's funny a great, about great that friend of mine. Is I was, of ours, of the show. I, I was on Warped Tour with Midtown when mm. they shot that. And I had interned the year before at the real world when, for the New Orleans season mm-hmm. in the music department. <laughs> so I knew the music super and they like, he said he was meeting with them and they ran out of those guys like, we guys up to, we're going out of town. We can't talk about it. No one can know. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, is this for the real world? They're like, yeah. <laughs> like, they're, and I was like, yeah, I know this, this guy, Dave Stone. And they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then yeah. they told me, but they were so like secretive about it. Those are it, some and, of my like, favorite moments in life. Yeah. You, people are playing their cards real close to yep. the chest and then you're just like, oh yeah, no, that's what happened. Like, <laughs> but, <laughs> just in the grand scheme of things, the fact that Saves of the Day got to the point where they could headline whatever, this is what they were doing, people were coming to see them. Yeah. And then, you know, carry, it's, it's very much, you know, an, an adolescent angsty, like, oh, people say we sound like, right, right, right. Did you see that they just resigned Equal Vision? I did, not, I, didn't know, <laughs> yes. I did not know they were It's true. That it's just happened like in the last couple of weeks. They have a new record coming out and Equal Vision's putting it out. It's like the first one since, I guess. And it's all about Krishna cool. consciousness. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so why don't you, uh, why don't you pull out just another worst gig from, uh, from sometime, uh, on the timeline? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, there was, there were a lot of just like scary moments. Like I remember, I remember we played a show in Berlin with, this bike is a pipe bomb, mm-hmm. and it was, it was the coldest day of the year there, which like sounds like whatever it gets cold everywhere. But it's it was a cold place. It's a cold place. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you leave Both the band politically and <laughs> weather wise. Like snot. I remember snot like freezing to my face, mm-hmm. and I remember we had a bunch of bottles of water in the van, glass bottles that all exploded. <laughs> <laughs> we came back out there all exploded. We went to the venue. We played this super, super, super gross squat, like really legit Berlin punk squat. Right. And it was downstairs in this like weird. For the listener, and uh, you go to play, you know, Europe, etc. You we will play squats, but squats are very nice sometimes. Sometimes are very nice. Yes, surprisingly, they'll have yes. computer centers and bars. But it is it is the equivalent of some of like a almost like a community center right. vibe where people are living and you know. And then sometimes sharing. you play the squat that you're talking yes. about. Yes, <laughs> sometimes, and we played some very nice squats there. This and this was like. 
not one of them. Right. This was not big on amenities. Yes. So I remember we got down there and they were like, here's the deal. Like the water is frozen in the toilets. You can't use the toilets. You have to use go outside. It's like, okay, fine. <laughs> so glad I'm a dude right now. Rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember we're loading in and it's freezing and they have this heater that was like some like really old, like East German or something thing that was basically just like a flamethrower. Like it's literally just this old metal thing that's like running on gas and just like shooting fire Exposed. out of it. Exposed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You understand how it works very so, well. So it got super crowded and we're loading our gear in and like we're loading it through the audience and like the flamethrowers by the entrance and we're all the way in the back and it's a skinny room and there's all these people and we're about to start playing and I'm like, if this thing like lights something on fire, like I'm definitely going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm so far from this one entrance. There's this definitely a great white. Yes. Yeah. 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 This yeah. was before that, but it was, and it was like, there's not like an emergency exit. Right. Uh, and I like totally sort of started freaking out. And then I was like, well, I guess this is it. <laughs> and then we played and it was fine. So I guess the gig itself was good. Right. As far as I remember. But it was a lot of like situations like that where you're just like, I don't know. Going just, into it. Yeah, yeah. you pull this up. Could go, like, this could go <sighs> one of many ways. Yeah. Yes. Now you did. I, I don't think I'll ever be able to mention this on the. Oh, I'm, I'm sure I can mention it whenever I want. But for actually it makes sense when you reference snot. Do you guys remember the like late 90s new metal band snot? snot? Yes. Absolutely. Who were like, I think on Geffner they were a. Don't think I've ever heard Snot, but this was, I remember my freshman year of college. I merged them with Bile. Uh, no, but Snot were like a, ra- like a rap metal. No, band. I know, I know. I would, th- th- I could picture like, their albums and I would picture Bile when I picture them. And Snot were, I was a freshman in college and I remember emailing Snot over the same, like just this really obnoxious, like, or maybe I posted something on their uh-huh. site or something, or I emailed them through their site. Just, just being an asshole to them for no reason. It's like, I hate your band. Why like, are you I, I don't snot? know. <laughs> Leave Snot so, alone. I, it, it was such a dipshit move. On I mean, I'm sh- they were an awful band. No, yeah. No. I think that guy went but, on to do something else. like Something really hurt. important. <laughs> <laughs> then there was another band that I always lumped in with them. Cold. Yes. They were also like a uh, uh, major label, new I metal. I remember that. I, oh, were Cold on Arista? I don't I think, they were think on, so. I, I think they were on Geffen. Cold I mixed with Soil, too, who were like, <laughs> Soil was one where they were a new metal band, but like their band before was an actual death metal band, like Oppressor or something. Okay. Uh, and they're just like, I lump the, it's hard to, we, I, I can like weed through all these because I was aware of all of them, like Soil, Cold, Edema, uh, From Zero. Adima uh, had had a Adima was hit the two right. Yeah, Adima was on Arista when I worked there, and it was the half brother of John from Corn. So that was their yeah. claim to fame. This is this is, this is one of the more depressing yes. tangents. Yes, <laughs> the new metal tangent yeah. is depressing. I did go see Corn when I was young. I was really into that first Corn record. Feel these got to follow the leader. The first one, the first self-titled. One. I didn't even know about that. Wait, yeah, was that the one with that big that? Yeah, blind. Okay. and the bagpipe track. And yeah. Oh shoots yeah. And ladders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw them at a at the LNG with uh, Lords of Brooklyn and Sugar Ray opening. Wow. Lords of Brooklyn. Uh, I was also wearing a Strife was... T-shirt because I have a photo of me and my high school hardcore band Switch Stance in front of Cord's trailer. And my one of the members used it as his baby picture Dude. <laughs> for our yearbook, but I was cropped out of it. Uh, my yearbook quote, senior uh-huh. year, Equal Vision Band, put out one EP. <laughs> Prima? No. Uh, no. Uh, it's not... Um, uh, it's like four or five song EP. Not Baby Gopal. Nope. No, that was Victor, I believe. <laughs> they were on Victor. Um, I will say there was a mouthpiece crossover. Oh, hands tied? Hands tied. Oh, great record. Keep my feet on solid ground. Face the world with open eyes. My mind is clear. Hands tied. Awesome. I probably, I've talked about, I used mouthpiece. Uh, I used the X in the the first EP tape as my baby picture. The fist with the X behind it. And then, and they also cut that very odd. They didn't just cut in a square. Like whoever ran the yearbook was drunk that day and cut it with like these weird, like, like circular edges. Uh, and then my yearbook quotes, as we've said before, mm-hmm. I had earth crisis. Hatred drives me onward across the desolation Jesus, and man. unbroken. We live and die with our opinions. 
And in my bio, I still fit in more hardcore. I said to everyone in high school, don't be the looking glass self. Gross. <laughs> Snapcase. An unlistenable band as I feel now. I think, oh, I said, can't hear your voice in the back of the crowd. Move up front and shout out loud. Uh, might have said take a stand too. Uh, Jay, the singer of Orchid, had uh, the first line in his bio was X straight edge the discipline. <laughs> That they also misspelled, so it was straightle, <laughs> straightle edge. I, and for another misspelling that had nothing to do with hardcore, this random uh, metal kid that turned hip-hop, his quote was, me against the world, Z-Pac. Because <laughs> they didn't get Tupac uh, right. And my, I love my, high school yearbook. My high, I, I don't know if I brought it up before, my high school yearbook quote, since kindergarten, I've acquired the knowledge. After 12th grade, I went straight to college from Run DMC, coupled with knowledge is power, which I misattributed to the wrong person. Who did you attribute I, it to? I think I attributed to, like, you know, Kant or something. And it was. <laughs> I still don't know who actually said it, but I think trying to balance out the. Uh, Why? So complex. It's yeah. Awful. Your books are the best. But thing I, ever. I did. One of my good friends in high school quoted 108. I can't remember the quote. And he also quoted Chewbacca. So for the classic <laughs> late 90s hardcore kid, like, just. <laughs> I think I think my yearbook, all my, my entire yearbook section is a very good, clear indicator of why I had to leave my high school to find a girlfriend. <laughs> I, like, I mean, no, I mean, I still stand behind hatred drives me outward across desolation. Right. But what a crazy sentiment that I'm saying, like, hey, everyone, remember this one? We're 35. <laughs> this is how Jeff was in high school. And the photo of me is like a little smiling boy. Just like, hee hee, yay. I'm um, full of hatred. So, so Jonah, so you do this podcast as so well. So I also do a podcast, yeah. yes. Yeah. And you do a podcast with like three other guys. Yes. Right. So, uh, you know, how how does that work? And and you guys get like awesome guests. I was enjoying the Freddie Madball episode. Yes, that was a fun uh, one. Most recently. Set it fucking off, man. When you have four <laughs> hosts... And you and one guest. Like, what from going off track? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting. It's always, it kind of changes a lot because it's almost always me and Steven. Mm-hmm. Um, of Steven's Untitled Rock of Show. Of Steven's correct? Untitled Rock yep. Show, which I used to write. Oh, so, okay. Steve, when I basically moved to New York, I'd met Steven through Warped Tour and stuff. He brought me out. I'd never written for TV. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the show with him for three years. And Steven from. Some A&E show. You might know that one where he got remade. Oh, he was on the first season of Queer Art for the Straight Guy. That's what it was. Yes, he was on the I remember Steven distinctly ha- thinking like, oh, that's the guy from Fuse. He's had some other TV cameos that he would kill me if I told you about. <laughs> but they have come up on our podcast that may include Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Fantastic. And uh, He was definitely like he had a, some celebrity status. Yeah, yeah. He DJ was yeah, he was recognizable. Days. Like we go to shows, people yeah. recognize him. But so... Our show got canceled, and then we got this opportunity to do this work together. And the whole concept was that whenever we worked on Fuse, when we interviewed someone, it would be like, it would be like this. It would be great. And then as soon as the cameras are on, you're in the studio. It's like, so what's your new record like? And right. it's super stilted so and weird. So we just wanted to make it conversational and whatever. So uh, it's always me and Steven for, for the most part. And then there's another guy, Mike Kanjemi, who used to produce our thing. And he's... He's really busy. He does a lot of shoots. So he comes in once in a while. Mm-hmm. And then Brad, the producer, sometimes sits in, sometimes doesn't. So it's not always four people. It's usually like three, sometimes four, ideally. But um, it's just, I think what I've learned is just to be a better listener, I guess. Yeah. And instead of, I feel like it's the natural instinct to, when someone's talking, be like, oh, this is the thing I'm going to say. Let me think about the thing I'm going to say. And then you're almost not paying attention. Whereas like when there's other people... Case in point, my snot reference. <laughs> Don't lose this. This, this is gold. Just take a breath so I can talk about snot for five minutes. So that, yeah, and that's like the biggest thing is like just like trying to, for me, just like be be in the moment and just be paying attention. And then, and then but then also like you are, you do have to get stuff out yeah. eventually. So then. But do you find that in your day to day? Because that's actually that's like something I've I, that I think this has helped just my day to day a little bit more because I'm very not in the moment. I'm so like anxiety, like just right. I'm so in my head that it's so hard to pay attention to people. 
And this mm-hmm. has definitely helped, like, even just doing this podcast, like, yeah. a year of this to, like, oh, wait, I should, like, pay attention to what people are saying and even remember their names. Yes. Like, and stuff like that. That's you know? a tough one. But, yes, I would say it has. And I would say the other thing that's really helped me with the podcast that you would know about, I'm not sure, you probably do, too, is uh, taking improv classes at UCB mm-hmm. and just the yeah. yes ending and, like, yeah, oh, that's interesting. What about this? And right. just, like playing off people and, and listening a lot like right. that to me has really like helped if someone brought up like snot <laughs> and like a squat yeah, <laughs> snot to cold to soil you did, you did the a to c you did, did improv class i did it worked it. out well um but the other nice thing about uh the podcast is you you also do have a healthy dose of comedy guests yes we've well. had some some comedians you guys have had on like chris gethard mm-hmm. um and then my sister's a cast member on Saturday Night Live, so we've had her on a bunch of times, and you know, Fred Armisen, A.D. Bryan. Nice yes, thank I you. I met her that one time I was at... Uh, Your sister's Jane Curtin, right? Her yes. Cast yes. Jane is the best. <laughs> I met her when I, I ran into uh, her when I went to go see SNL. Uh, with oh. my friend, and I was like, "Oh, I'm friends with your brother." And she's like, "Oh, you like that music he likes?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Yep." She's been subjected to a lot of horrible music yeah, throughout and then her she life. Also realized that, that Pete Schultz, who also works there, is like into the same type of stuff, and she's like, "Oh, you're into that type of stuff too?" Yeah, I was like, "Oh yeah, I forget like siblings who have to Spe- deal with yeah. the other music." Speaking the of music. of strung out. Pete Schultz, like, I think uh, went to see Strung Out this year. Or something. Yeah. He's he's way into like <laughs> this stuff. Yeah, he is. Um, friend of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> so, like, just to touch on that, because you know your sister is on Saturday Night Live, and what's your uh, relationship with comedy personally? Um, really, just just a fan, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, um, I was really, I got really got into it through. I would say, like, me and Vanessa, I got Vanessa really into Neil Hamburger when mm-hmm. we were like in high school. Yeah, and I would always go see him in college, and like. That was like a big one for me. Sure. Just I just love everything about that dude. The sh- do you watch the, the on cinema? Yeah, that it might be the funny. Like it's it's mind blowing every episode to me. I still think that the on America's Funny Man, which was the record that I got into, the, mm-hmm. the Metallica shout out is right. is to this day something yeah. that. When they, I, I, doesn't even, don't even need to say anything. About fantastic. It. So good. Yeah. Yes, but then yeah, I would say like I got real. I was also really into like all the Sharpling and Worcester stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like as a music nerd, mm-hmm. and then like having those guys be so funny, but so specific right. about that stuff. Right. And then yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I just kind of got exposed just through. I mean, there's so many amazing comedians here, but what I also got into that some is kind of like polarizing to people is like that Joe Rogan world. A lot, Come on, and man. I, dude, I know, doing? but like, let the man speak. Not yeah. not just him. Let me polarize. Not just him, but like like Ari Shafir, like Duncan Trussell, like Brian Callen. Duncan Trussell, I like a lot. Yeah, and like it's they have their whole thing, but I feel like Duncan is really his has his own thing, and he's he's probably my favorite because yeah. I really like all the stuff about the psychedelics yeah. and like his whole worldview. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I got in. I got exposed to a lot of comedians through those guys, and then the people we've had in the podcast too, like Jamie Kilstein yeah. or anyone like that. Yeah, my pro- I, I'm sure Joe Rogan's a lovely man. Uh, if I ever meet him, and he's an MMA fighter, so don't fight me. Outspoken. Yeah, I guess I, the they, band that is. Yes, just wanted to make exactly. It's a great band. The Current is a fantastic record, and one of my favorite shirts is the "So Straight Edge Isn't Cool Anymore." So what? Outspoken shirt. I Reference for no one. <laughs> Reference for no one. But my problem, I guess my problem with that Joe Rogan world is he falls too quickly into that Adam Carolla yes. deal of everyone just needs to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I did it. And I'm like, okay, that gets rid of all of the problems of the world. And it's a very I, I don't think that that is necessarily true about him. It com- I guess it's just in the little bits that I, I mean, I also have probably steered away because i feel like i heard it like once and i was like i can't deal with it it's but really I'll, it, maybe i'll listen now. he also started smoking it, weed at like lit 35 that's the other part too. too yeah uh the you should check out the episodes he does with duncan okay because they're really interesting but and, and i'm not like like i saw him do stand-up right. and the stand-up wasn't good right the mma stuff i don't care about right. he has maybe the worst taste in music of ever <laughs> anyone i've ever right. listened to it's like you guys hear this new stain song it's killer right, right? and i'm just like but I will say, like, he's really, he's really intelligent and really good at, like, retaining knowledge. Right. So it's, like, a lot of the stuff about, like, the singularity or, or psychedelics or 
technology. Like he's, I've learned a lot about that stuff through him and through the guests he's that had on. Stuff I will get, like I've, the interviews I've listened to. Like I do, I'm like, oh, there are sections of conversation. Yes, I think I would like to have with him. Yes, uh, and as long as I could like make like a guidebook of like, let's maybe let's not talk about this. Right, it's, right. It's it's, uh, it's uh, also polar. It's funny because both Jeff and I are people that never, like you mentioned, Sharpling and Worcester, like never really got into the best show. Like, we've yeah. talked about it before. Like, it's just such a dense world. And you would think all of the referential stuff that they do. And right. Things, that and when I be, hear certain sections, yeah. I will be like, oh, right. I probably should be listening to it. And, like, I'll appreciate it. But, yeah, it. neither but then, one like, of us have, have ever really delved into... It's such a long world. show. I, it and is. All the, and, like, yeah. and then they'll actually play music, and I'll just be like, I don't want to. Well, it's also, to like, yeah, like, we had John Worcester on the podcast, and, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, like, over 100 crazy characters they've been referencing but uh vanessa did it a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and i got to go with her and it was like a dream experience for me like like watching tom like about to hang up on people and like john worster called in he's like i know your brother he he, uh introduced me to helmet and some other band (laughs) like some other band that was like four when they came out Uh but yeah it was it was fun but yeah i I like i like um there's so much good comedy here and yeah uh, I would be remiss to not ask because you're you're Cleveland. Yes. Oh, this is yeah. possibly a conversation for no one, but we got to talk about. It. So you're from Clevo. Clevo. I mean, Clevo hardcore at the time, mid nineties. I mean, we're talking one integrity. One yes. of my favorite. Like I love integrity so much. Me Still too, man. Me just too. Just saw them this year. The original, the lineup, the Melnick systems under uh, systems overload. Baltimore reunite. I think. Do you want to go? I might want to go. <laughs> I'll go with you. Okay, I think we. Might I can't have. get anyone to go with first, me. Folks. Yeah, uh, the Melnick Bros. I mean, come on. I used to see Aaron Melnick at Giant Eagle, at the grocery store in Cleveland. Right. And like, I would be like, "Hey, man, like big fan." He'd be like, mm, "Cool." <laughs> but for the listener, these are members of Integrity, Integrity. which is essentially just Dwid. Yeah, with a rotating. At this point, Dwid and a bunch of kids. But yeah, so they started essentially the Holy Terror sect. <laughs> yes. Cleveland has a very distinct metallic hardcore sound, but like, were you at One Life Crew shows? So here's this is actually pretty uh, crazy for the listener to One Life Crew is the notorious a singular brand of <laughs> conservative Republican. Yeah. First record was anti like first record just had like one or two sketchy lyric songs, and then they embraced it in a very yeah. SOD sort of way. So you're you're not going to believe what I have to say about One Life Crew. Okay. I was in a band with two of those guys when I was 16, and we practiced in my parents' out. basement. Get the fuck Well, out. so I got into... Mean Steve? <laughs> yes. Mean Steve? Chubb Fresh. What? And John Lockjaw. Get the hell out of here. He's a comedian now. Are you really? He's a comedian in Austin. He just got his new records. His name's John Toll. And he's actually a, sort, a pretty successful comedian. And he's, he's really funny. Um, we'll be reaching out to him. You should check him out. After. That you is should. fantastic, but I can't believe So here's that. what happened. I got into Integrity and stuff sort of at the tail end of them doing stuff. Right. Like I saw them a couple times, right. but I, was re- I got really into this band Ascension. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, so I saw them on Long Island. They were so amazing live. Yeah. Their drummer, Craig, played drums in my band, The Love Kill. Oh, wow. Okay. But I got the That's I got fantastic. their EO. Yes. I got oh. the EP. I remember it was probably like 1995. <laughs> I got the their EP, whatever record they were yeah. selling, and it, it just did not live up to. Yeah, well, I they had they were one of the like I Ascension was in that realm of like Gehenna. Yes, where it's like mm-hmm. live their insanity. The first record it was terrible recorded called Years of Fire. Right. But they had yeah. a second record. Oh, yeah. Everything's very separated. That was on Toy Box. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. their second record was sounded way better. It's called Abomination. Right. So if you can get it. Uh, I think I had an Ascension song first I heard on, like, the words to live by. It was, like, some defense of animal rights. Well, their guitar player, Matt, went on to form that band, Chimera. Okay. Who was, like, he's left the band recently, but, yeah, like, they he was in that band for, like, 10 years. way too many times. Yeah. At Metal Fest. They toured, like, Slayer and stuff. But, um... That's crazy. So I was really into Ascension, and I got into One Life Crew because I didn't... I didn't understand the politics, really, when I was, like, 15, like, in between songs... To describe these guys, they're all like 300 pounds, Humongous. wore Tommy Hilfiger, yep. um, and between songs would be like, fuck the liberals. Like, And I didn't even know what a liberal was. I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. I have no idea. Because their second, their first record's Crime Ridden Society. Crime Ridden Society. Which, Crime Ridden Society, again, has like... Infamous because Victory put it out and then retracted well, it, right? It, 
it's the second be- record's the one that was justified beatings or whatever. Well, here's what here's what Sorry. happened, I, and this is like I am an expert on this and yes. basically nothing else. <laughs> they got kicked off Victory because this fight started, and you can find footage on YouTube. That's right. Uh, we'll, we'll include a link. Yes, yeah. include a link. They had this song called Pure Disgust that was yes. essentially an anti-immigration song with lines like "Dirty leeches, you must get out. Don't, don't use come this. around here. We don't, don't need or want, want you. you. Yes. Country for animals, not country for." Vultures, country for something. Vultures we won't always roll. filled in with not country for Jews. It's like, it was the fun little yes they would do on it. Yes. Um, so they also th- had the song that just went go 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 go. <laughs> so yeah, so I would go see them, and uh, they got kicked off Victory for starting this riot at some festival. I can't remember where it was. Where basically some guy like gave their mean Steve the finger, and he ran off stage, and it was a huge fight. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but then Steve opened a tanning salon. <laughs> I, I knew it was a tanning salon. Was a tanning salon. And was there also like a jet ski business or something <laughs> as well? No, the, the, you're close. So the tanning salon... It's it was kind of depressing that nothing makes me happier than this stuff, and almost probably no one wants to hear it. Th- this, next, this next part's going to make you so happy. It was called Some Believable Tanning. <laughs> you're so unbelievable. Oh! Oh! Oh yeah! So you go in there, and Steve would be there, and they would had like all these tanning products, and then like a couple OLC CDs in case you were interested. <laughs> I'm not just the president; I'm a client. <laughs> and I would, when I was like 15, 16, hang out there. Sure. And these guys were much older than me, and like four times my size. And then eventually, we started a band. Uh, it was called X Committed X. Awesome. And uh, wait, we, did you put out anything? Well. They actually did later after I had gone to college. Yeah. I remember when that record came out. Yeah. You were in that I was in, I was in like a super in early incarnation. incarnation that never really did anything, but the two other guys. So yeah, it was, it was Steve and Chubb Fresh. Right. And then this guy's John and Matt who were in committed later. Uh, and John was in a bunch of hardcore bands. He played with Good Clean Fun for a while. But uh-huh. so we would play at my parents. I remember like coming home and these two huge guys sitting at like our dining room table, my parents there, and then be like, we're going to go to Europe. We're going to like do all this stuff. My parents were like, okay. Right. Like, and we would play in my basement. And uh, yeah, so I played with those guys for a while. And then I went off to school and kind of lost touch with them. But then years later, I was kind of like just like checking out on Google and Chubb Fresh opened a motorcycle right. thing called Bike Styles. Yeah. That I'm not sure what they made like kind of videos of guys doing like wheelies on the freeway and stuff. It looked like really crazy. The businessmen. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, just tell Make me this because I because I feel like all of the homophobia, whatever, xenophobia, they're probably kind of fun to hang out with. Well, it was like it was, it's a weird time because it's like I was definitely against all that stuff right. yeah. vehemently, but I didn't. It they weren't. It was weird. Like looking back on it, it's like it seems weird, but they never talked about that stuff. Right. Like I think yeah. it was almost more of just like a, posturing. Yeah. Like they just, we just talked about like hardcore and like they talked about food a lot. Right. See, I could see them being <laughs> right. like cousins that like you get right. together with and like, you know, they're a little yeah. rough around the edges, working you class guys, but you have a couple conversation territory. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but you have like I could I could just see having a really good time with those guys. Like, it was like they took I remember them driving like I went with Chubb Fresh and John Lockjaw when I was like, I wasn't even old enough to drive. And they drove to Erie, Pennsylvania to see Ignite. Right. And it's like, I'm with these guys. Like, they know people here. Like, right. they know Ignite. Like, this is like, to me, it was just like, they kind of like introduced me to How a lot of stuff. at that point? I mean, I, that's an interesting question. I don't know. They seemed so much older than me, right. but you know how when you're 15, yeah, yeah, someone who's like, like 17 seems mid to late older? 20s? Or I, I would imagine. I mean, they had to but have. Even that is weird, though. Like, in retrospect, yes. That yes. shows like they're kind of. I mean, why would you want to hang out with a 15 year old when you're like 25 or whatever? That actually, it's it's that idea, especially growing up on Long Island and like the, you know, the hardcore scene there and going to shows. I remember when I was 16, Mm -hmm. um, I'm blanking on his last name, Eddie, who was, I guess, went on to play in Taking Back Sunday. Okay. But before that, he was in a band called clockwise yes. who were who were like legitimately great i believe i have the clockwise and then demo inside was the band after that, or inside was the band that he wanted to form after clockwise ended and we were like chatting on aol you know and i was like <laughs> just a kid i was not playing and he was like looking to start a new band right and i told him that i play guitar he called my house like my mom picks up the phone of course and like you know 
just is like, look, I will come to your house and like, let's jam. And this is way before Taking Back. So this is, right. this is, you know, probably like 1996, I right. would say. Comes over to my house, like, you know, my dad's like playing piano, like, right. oh, as he walks in, you know, there's a piano right there. Go into the basement, like, he's like, he plays me some riff, and he's like a good guitar player. Then I play him some Fakakta, just kind of like, <laughs> right. clear. and he essentially taught me how to play like Hardcore. a proper, wouldn't be a bar chord, but where you're, you know, it's like one string, you skip a string, and then the other string, right, right. and like you can go up like and like classic, yeah, emo style. Yeah. And he knew that like, I was not like a, a, de- a good enough guitar player for him right. at all. But he essentially gave me this guitar lesson that completely changed the way that I played guitar. It's, and then he went on to form Taking Back Sunday and actually became like weird, a... Like in retrospect, like there, I mean, there was, I mean, that, that was a consistent, like I think about like, but we, the, had, we had older hardcore Yeah, dudes. like he was probably but 24 like, at the time. Right. Yeah, like I was, ch- I remember chatting with like the dude from this band, The Hoods. That like tough like California band like about my high school band on AOL chat and he's like maybe I'll put out the demo like sort of thing and then ended up later we played a festival with him with Panthers and I'm they forgot that they took my bass by accident (laughs) they had essentially stolen my bass I had Um, Russ Rankin from Good Riddance tell me I wasn't straight edge anymore over AOL Instant Messenger because I had eaten this dessert at when I worked at Kids R Us and the <laughs> dessert had some kind of alcohol in it that I didn't know and I freaked out and somehow I had his Instant Messenger name from like a CD and he was on. I was like, hey, Russ, like, please, like, sorry, man, like, you can never be straight edge. And wow. I was like, oh, my oh. God. And it like, I was so upset about it. There's that- some of, at least you have the, 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 the faultiness of youth right there. The fact that he, I mean, he was old. Yeah. yeah. Even at this point, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming I was 15, 16. Right. I mean, I'm just saying. Relax. I, I, well, I feel <laughs> like there's actually no better way to go out than the lead singer of Good Riddance <laughs> telling you you're not straight, you know. If you're not now, you never were. Yep. So, of God to Bada Rebellion is to not <laughs> eat desserts with alcohol in them. Jesus. Jonah, to bring this full circle, question that we ask all of our guests. What do you think of the word? Gig. Gig. I don't know. It sounds like a really, uh, like, guitar-centery word to me. Yeah. Like, it seems, which is, I don't like. We clearly come from uh, similar kind of uh, backgrounds and, and uh, interests, so it, uh, it would make sense that our views are aligned yes. yeah. on that. It's a guitar center term. Yeah, it's like it's pro yeah, gear, it, pro two. Yeah, it's pro like two, you know, Parker fly guitars. You know, like when you hear that, like I remember I was in a band. The guys who refer to like having a guitar center tone as being like the worst tone, <laughs> yes. that really gainy line like, six. Yeah, like the pod. Yeah, like yeah. I need to learn this riff, but like you're only gonna like that tapping thing's only gonna sound cool in guitar center, yeah. and it's also gonna put you in a weird category you don't want to be in. Sounds about right. Yep. Well, look, some amazing story. I mean, you know, some real. You, you you pull them out of the vault. <laughs> Some great stuff. And, you know, there will, there will, we'll have to include a lot, a lot of links with this episode so people get a lot, get our references to bands that nobody cares about anymore. <laughs> uh, you got the podcast. I also play in a band that basically started out just ripping off Orchid. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Called the United Nations, and we're we're recording now. We're playing Gainesville Fest in, and Prefest in October, November so, in Florida. So you got stuff going on. Stuff going on, yeah. You live in Greenpoint. I live you in Greenpoint. It's raining out. I so, can't see it. <laughs> go off. Oh, no. All we want to say to you is get home safe. Thank you. Worst gig 